I was teaching American history in Yerevan, Armenia, but I got involved in the conflict there. And I realized that people, when they get siloed into different places where they get different media, where they have different friends, where they get different kinds of information, they're in, they live, they inhabit completely different worlds and they don't understand one another. And I had a kind of revelation for myself that this was the challenge that human beings face on the planet because we cannot solve anything else. We cannot solve issues of climate change. We cannot solve problems of, of social injustice or of inequality. We cannot solve any of these problems if we can't talk to one another and if we can't engage across lines of difference. Welcome to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. This is Marshall Lazarus. I have the pleasure of sitting with Daniel Noah Moses, currently of Troy, New York. Daniel, I understand that you lived in Jerusalem for 11 years, as well as Yerevan, Armenia for two and a half. I lived in Jerusalem for 11 years. I worked there longer. I, I started, I, I worked, first I was in Armenia, and now, of course, there's the conflict that Armenians just lost war with Azerbaijan, which is a, a whole other different subject. And then I, I started to work with an organization called Seeds of Peace that brings together, well, Palestinians and Israelis were, the, were the, the first group. And then they expanded, we expanded to other conflicts like in India and Pakistan and Cyprus and also across the U.S. But, we, but the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict was the, the beginning. And I moved to Jerusalem to focus specifically on working with Palestinian and Israeli educators, artists and community leaders. But Jerusalem and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict seemed to be, for me, a distilled version, a, a distilled form of this conflict, because everything is in such a small space. You can go a few miles or even down even a short walk, and you, you are literally inhabiting different universes. I had the great privilege and the honor to be able to travel all the time across to Palestinian villages and refugee camps, to Israeli villages and kibbutzim and, and to Palestinian and Israeli cities. I have very close friends in, in Gaza and the West Bank. I have very close friends in Israel. I have family in Israel. I have Israeli Jewish cousins who are in the army. People I care about and love deeply all across the region. So for me, the current violence, I, I, I know people very well who are suffering on all sides. And when in the last major violence episode of, of 2014, when I was living in Jerusalem, I had missiles come close to me, like I, I actually passed a burning missile from Gaza outside of Jerusalem. And then I, well, there were very nervous, scared teenage Israeli soldiers who pointed machine guns at me. So I had the guns pointed at me from the Israelis and the missiles coming at me from Gaza. So, so that's where I'm coming from in terms of my, uh, my perspective. I've jumped worlds and I've seen uh, and I care deeply about people who live very different realities. But now we're all suffering from the violence. It sounds, Daniel, like there are so many forces working against the kind of work that you want to do uh, to bring folks from different perspectives together, so many forces working against it. What motivates you to do this? If you think that human beings have equal dignity, then the next thing you need to do is listen to people who are different um, and try to see what kinds of perspectives and needs are out there to meet those needs. Um, and I do believe this is a fundamental challenge that human beings have as a species at this moment. When I went to Israel, Palestine in 2006 to live, I'd already been working in the conflict for a couple of years. Um, I'd been working on, I'd done summer programs for educators for a couple of years. When I moved 
I, I had a whole bunch of money to do projects and things were not very hopeful, but they were far more hopeful than they are now. When I was there in 2006, we went, we, we went, I went to a peace conference in Anatolia, Turkey with hundreds of Palestinians and Israelis and Europeans and Americans there to try to figure out how to build a more peaceful, more just future. Regularly, we had meetings of hundreds and hundreds of people in Jerusalem, East Jerusalem and West Jerusalem, Palestinians, Israelis, internationals coming together still with some hope. The situation was terrible. It was after the second intifada. It was not, it was not a rosy, happy situation. The injustices were, were clear it, 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 for people who wanted to look, but there was still hope and there were still lots of people still active. Although they would say to me, the peaceniks I met, Palestinian and Israeli, said, and the Israelis here said, hey, it was so much better in the 90s. Robin was killed uh, and that destroyed things. And then we had the second intifada where now we can't trust the Palestinians. So those two things created a terrible sense of distrust and, and punctured the hopes of, of, of any kind of peace. Um, but then since then, it's gotten only worse. I, I was talking today with a good friend of mine, Mohammed, who's from Gaza, and he is very good friends with a woman named Orly who, who lives, well, she lives now in the States, but she, she grew up and her family is still uh, right a few miles away from Mohammed uh, in, in Israel, next to the Gaza Strip. And in 2014, they met and I saw, I was with them when they met and they just cried together about how they used to, back in the 80s or, or 70s, things were much more open. People would go back and forth and Israelis would go to Gaza. Gaza people from Gaza would go to Tel Aviv. It, it was a very different situation then. And they cried about, about the suffering and the violence for all of them. And um, they, they're still talking. They're still talking and, and they both have people they care about, people they love who are, who are dead or, or, or in danger of dying right now. And their, their neighborhoods, their air are being destroyed. And they just want to, and they're still talking as friends and they still care about each other. And, and they're not going insane with hate for one another. And my, my big question is how, how do you take that and, and make it a larger movement or just, they don't hate each other and they actually care deeply about each other. And they, they want to find a, a way to live together. Um, and how do you make that possible? There are lots of people like that. A lot. I've, I was on the border communities of Gaza, the Israeli border communities, um, and visited people there who are active peace builders. This one woman I met in a border town, it was either a Moshav or Kibbutz, I don't remember. Uh, so not exactly a town, a community. She is in sight of Gaza, and she had an art project to show peaceful symbols to Gazans so they would see symbols of peace from her um, basically her backyard. I mean, not her backyard, but the community's backyard. And because she said, I just want them to see that there's a human face here and that we, we're not the government. We care about them and, and we want something different. And so she's a, a peace builder. And there are lots, I know Gazans, Palestinians from Gaza, who also who came to, to work with, with me and others and were so kind and so helpful and wonderful with their Israeli friends. So it, it can happen. But there's so much work that has to be done to make it happen at any larger scale. And the media is so distorted. There's such polarization in how they cover the different stories. And most people do not have human connection to people from a, a wide variety of perspectives. 
So they get into a corner. I'm hearing you say, Daniel, that somehow people have to get beyond these narrow, distrustful views of each other. Thoughts on how to move forward? The answer is the two peoples must engage with one another and figure out how to live together. And so I condemn fully and absolutely and unequivocally with all of my heart what Hamas militants did uh, to Israeli men, women, and children in their homes. I mean, it's an awful, awful, brutal murder, but, you know, multiple murders, um, terrible cruelty. And I condemn what Israeli is doing, Israel is doing and what they're about to do. And I, I urge the Israeli leadership and American supporters of Israel to say, stop, don't, don't make a million refugees or, or, or throw a million people from their homes. That's not going to help. That's no victory. That's no victory. That that will not make Israel more secure. That will not make Israelis more secure. That will only create more human suffering. It will only create more anger and hatred and fear. And it will only continue the cycle of violence. It's not security. The two peoples must engage with one another and figure out how to live together. There was a, a very short clip that I saw of an Israeli father whose daughter is one of the kidnapped people. So Hamas kidnapped her. And he's interviewed, and, he, and it's a beautiful video, very short clip. Uh, I don't remember her name, but they say, what should, what, he, first he speaks beautifully about his daughter, and he says what a, what a wonderful kid she is, what a, beautiful, what a beautiful person she is. And then the interviewer says, what should the Israeli government do? He says, they should get my daughter back, but through peace, because I know that the Palestinians also have mothers and fathers, and, and, and I don't want more violence. So a lot of it comes from, being Jewish, that I'm so critical and so upset and want to say, stop, there's, there's another way. There's a song that Mira Wad and uh, Achinom Nini, a Palestinian Israeli and a Jewish Israeli singer sang. It was part of the Eurosong uh, vision. It was, there must be another way. There must be another way. And the way that Netanyahu is, is retaliating and this government is retaliating is not going to help in the long term.